why do we do this? Why do we set aside a week where we don't really have a usual message, but instead we do a practice together? We do something together that maybe, I don't know, you may not have much experience doing. Uh, the reason is life is full of experiences or things that happen that just like flood us. Do you know what I mean by being flooded? No, cannot compute, right? The calculator breaks. I always remember growing up a kid and like you'd, 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 uh, you'd uh, raise things to the exponent so many times did you get the error. And that's what happens to our brains sometimes when the hardest things in life happen. Of course, one of them being death. When we experience the loss of a loved one, we get an error on our mind's calculators. And for most of history, the way that people have dealt with this, because it's always been the case, that's the way we've dealt with it for most of history is through like physical practices, embodied rituals, right? Like we, we, we take moments of silence together, right? We... We have funerals or memorials. We, we, we put our, our, our loved ones lost in dirt and earth. There are tombstones and epitaphs that we remember them by. Flowers, candles, incense, right? Physical things, embodied things that have helped us to like, what do we, what do, we do when we're so overwhelmed and we can't make sense of life? But of late, like for our, our, our modern Western culture, the culture that we all live in here in America or in Western Europe over the last 100 to, to 500 years, we've moved away from physical things. We sometimes feel uncomfortable with those. We're not sure what they mean. We're not sure why we do those things because we're, we've kind of convinced ourselves that we can explain all of the hardest things in life to ourselves with head knowledge. And that's that, that's kind of like we, we just, we convince ourselves that we can do that. So we, go, we won't feel overwhelmed by that. Our head knowledge or the, the beliefs that we, can, that we can hold to can save us from feeling so overwhelmed. And Christianity has totally tried to play this game. I wonder if that feels true to any of you. Maybe you've had things passed on to you, beliefs or knowledge or ideas that were supposed to take all of your negative or uncomfortable emotions away, but they didn't. They didn't take them away. In Christianity's case, you know, it's the head knowledge is religious beliefs. We believe that those will save us when we feel confused or angry or sad beyond what we can compute when the error shows up on our calculator. And this obsession with this idea is it's not just in religious beliefs. It's sort of all over the culture that we all swim in. We can save ourselves with our head knowledge. So we're a culture that doesn't really do physical ritual very well. We don't really do embodied practices really well, and that's why we have our annual remembrance service at Brownline Church. We step back and we actually do something physical together. In a moment, we're going to, we're going to read names. We're going to light candles. We're going to take a moment of silence for each name. And the idea is because if we try to compute why we feel so sad, why has this happened, what am I going to do? now that I've lost somebody, or maybe you're not feeling that, but the person next to you is feeling that, if we just try to figure that out with our head knowledge or with our religious beliefs, it, we just need something else to help us. And so we take, we do practices together. We embody these sorts of things. So what we're going to do 
as we do this, what I want you to be thinking about in your minds as we do this, whether you're somebody who has a remembrance today, one of, your, one of the names that we're reading is somebody that you brought to us, or whether it's somebody that you know, maybe somebody else in this community, or maybe somebody else you know that is not a part of these names, but you're thinking in your mind, yeah, I know somebody who was lost in the last, couple, in the last 12 months. What I want you to be thinking about is that we do this to encourage ourselves not to try to answer our problems with our heads. We do this to lean into the idea that maybe, maybe our experience of God, where God comes into grief, where God comes into pain and loss, is not as the great explainer, but as the great comforter. You know, my, my first experience of God ever, I speak about often here at church because it, it, was, it, it was so formative to me, and it was in the wake of losing my mom to cancer as a teenager. And I found myself in a group of people who believed that when you prayed, there was a loving God that responded to those prayers that would hear you and communicate back. And that really changed my life because it led me to having a, an unexplainable positive experience that so powerfully counteracted this negative loss I'd experienced that I couldn't explain. It was a positive experience I couldn't explain to counteract the negative that I couldn't explain. I felt God impressing on me, you are not crushed. You can move forward in courage and in hope in life. And that is not like head knowledge, right? That's not me explaining away my pain to myself. It's not God explaining away my pain to myself with like, God works in mysterious ways. That is something different. That's at an emotional level. I could feel it in my body in that prayer time, my first ever experience of prayer, of God. You know, some, uh, some weeks ago, our friend and guest speaker uh, for our service, our, uh, Natasha Huang, who spoke to us uh, about her experience as a chaplain, she reminded us that human beings need connection more than they need answers. And I wonder if we can think about that in this week. We need comfort more than we need explanations. The God that is revealed behind this, if that's why, we, that's why we gather together and have memorial services or remember those lost or pray at all, the God behind this is not the great explainer. It is not the one who is saying, like, here, here is the reason that happened to you. And it's mysterious, but if you trust me, it'll be okay. It's not the God we're talking about. This is the God who is the great comforter who comes in right next to us in our difficult experiences, sits in the senselessness of it with us, doesn't explain it away, but says, you are not alone. You are not crushed. You can move forward in courage and in hope. And that God is so much better. I think this is the God that Jesus shows us, the God who's not high up in the sky, out in the future, all controlling, dictating the story with mysterious reasons, even mysterious reasons, even for my mom's cancer, even for my brother's stroke, even for a miscarriage if you experienced one, or even for COVID-19, or the hate-fueled murder of Asian American women in Atlanta, or the epidemic of violence toward black bodies in our country. All of that is not happening for mysterious reasons. God is not the great explainer coming in and trying to help us make sense of it. God sits there and says, this doesn't make sense. And I am the great comforter with you in this senselessness. I will carry you through this. 
You are not crushed. You can move forward in hope and courage. In Jesus, in Matthew's gospel, we see this wonderful moment. He sees the crowds, it says, and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus is not distressed and moved to love because the people are without an explanation. He is distressed and moved to love because we are like sheep harassed without a shepherd. I wonder if you ever feel like a sheep harassed without a, harassed without a shepherd. It just does not compute, right? I don't know what to do. How often do we feel that? How often do we feel that when we think about facing the reality of death? God is not dispassionately pulling the strings. God is not explaining away our pain. God is with us, comforting us as we see Jesus do. And so, we do physical rituals together. We do embodied practices together. Here's how this is going to work this morning. I have some candles before me here. And what we're going to do is each candle will be lit, and I'm going to read a name that we have sourced from the community here. And these will all be names of people, loved ones, lost by people in our community in the last 12 months. And chances are you may have also a name that comes to mind for you, and I encourage you to hold those people as well and those loved ones as well in your mind as we, as we read the names that we have and hold space for grief for each name. Pray with me. Bruce Ammon. Stephen Calvin Bell, Sr. Janine Bruce.
Annette Fensel. Jean Kent. Andrew Meeker. Akash Batak. Pam Ransom. Lawrence Reimer. Colt Shermer.
Elaine Showers. Margaret Ungemach. Victor VR. Chanel West. Michael Benjamin. for all those lost in the last 12 months to COVID-19.
for all those lost in the last 12 months to the injustices of racism, homophobia, misogyny, religious violence, revenge culture. Lord God, you are attentive to the voice of our pleading. Let us find in Jesus comfort in our sadness, presence in our doubt, and courage to live through this hour. Make our faith strong through Christ our Lord. Lord, these loved ones are gone now from this earthly dwelling and have left behind those of us who mourn in their absence. Grant that we may hold their memories dear, never bitter for what we have lost, nor in regret for the past, but always in hope of the eternal kingdom where you will bring us together again through Christ our Lord. May the love of God and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ bless and console us and gently wipe every tear from our eyes. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's be silent for one more moment together. Maybe we can all take a collective exhale as we exit out of that experience. It's not something we all get to do very much, right? Maybe we get to do it at a funeral or memorial service, but maybe it's uncomfortable or, I don't know, you know, we feel like we need to cut the tension with a joke or with a cynical comment or that's so in us because we're convinced that we should be able to make sense of this in our heads. We shouldn't need to feel so blah, right? Shouldn't need to feel that way. But sometimes we do. And to experience God is not to have those things explained away, but it is to find comfort in the midst of that. And we have 15 candles this year. And that's just scratching the surface, right? And so we, we enter into these spaces together. The benefit of doing this as a community is that trying to do this alone is really difficult and really lonely. And we do our best to enter into these spaces as a community to experience these things and know that we are not alone. There are at least 14 other people here that experienced a loss, if you're, that, if you're one of these people. And no doubt, if we extend 
beyond the last 12 months, we would all have a candle up here. That, uh, that moment from the Gospel of Matthew that we read, Jesus tells his disciples the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. In light of this moment, this morning, I wonder, what is the encouragement to us if we want to take our cues from Jesus, if we want to be Jesus' disciples? I think it is that we are called to be comforters, just like God presents God's self to us as comforter. Life is full of things that flood our systems, that send up an error on our, our mental calculators, and we, if we are to be disciples of Jesus, are to be moved to love and to comfort around us. You may not be remembering someone this morning, but somebody close to you is, somebody maybe next to you is. The harvest is plentiful because life is full of all of these things. But the workers are few, those who truly courageously enter into being a comfort to others, not having to say the right thing, not having to explain away somebody's pain, but just being with the people in pain. The workers are few. And it is scary to enter into that, but it's a privilege to enter into that. Because I'm sure all of you have had your losses before and can think of maybe the one or two people that were there for you in a deep, comforting way, or maybe you wish somebody would have been there for you in a deep, comforting way, and you have the opportunity to be that to others. So let us be those people in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our families. In Jesus' name, amen.